Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Greg Barnes. Of course, you know him as IC's beat writer. And today we've got Taylor Vipolis. And Taylor, I'll go ahead and start with you and get right in it, man. You're a former player, very close to a lot of guys still on the team, a lot of guys that have graduated. Tell me from personal experience what this week is like as a player. These guys have beat on each other for months yeah. now, and now they're getting ready to play that first game. Just speak to that. Speak to what it's like prepping for that first game. Yeah, it's a lot of nerves building up, but you're just ready to see somebody in another color jersey. Um, you've put in a ton of work ever since that Stanford game ended. Uh, you know, you had Blue Dawn, you had the Summer Challenge, all these workouts with uh, Coach Lou and his staff and just getting you prepared for the games. And now it's now the actual, the fun part of the season's here and you get the chance to go out in front of uh, Keenan Stadium and hopefully win some games. Let me ask you this. Uh, a lot is talked about the offensive inexperience this year. I think the stat is 96% or something crazy of offensive production lost. And I think mm -hmm. th maybe three and a half of what's returning is Austin Pro. So how different is this, in your opinion, for Larry Fedora and his staff? I mean, we we always talk about his offense. This is a different ball game with so much loss. Speak to that and speak to what you've seen thus far in preseason camp and now in game week as the offense tries to get it together to get ready for Cal. Yeah, a lot of these guys that are going to be counted on this season were kind of the young guys when I was finishing up that senior season. And I think a lot of them are having that moment where they're looking around and they know that it's their time and they're going to be the guys. Uh, Coach Fedora, in one of the team meetings, he had everybody stand up that played like a significant amount of time. And basically nobody stood up on offense outside of Austin Pearl, Thomas Jackson, Bentley Spain. So it's just a lot of guys that know that this is their time. This is their moment. You come to Carolina because you want to play. Nobody really wants to sit on the bench and uh, have to be a backup, but they're getting their time. And just kind of like Mitch Trubisky, they saw him. He got his time. Now he's in the NFL, was a top pick. So a lot of, a lot of guys are feeding off that. They might not have played a lot leading up to this first game, but when they do get their opportunity, they're going to make the most of it. Taylor, a wide receiver, there's a bunch of names. And Tommy mentioned Austin Prohl, a guy that we know has, has played quite a bit. You've got other guys that have seen serious action. You know, Thomas Jackson, of course, had a good game against Florida State. Uh, Jordan Cunningham has played a little bit. Anthony Ratliff-Williams has played a little bit. Uh, but there's a, a lot of names there that were either highly recruited or, or guys that the coaching staff have praised over the years. But we just haven't seen a whole lot out of them. Uh, who, who are some guys uh, that fans can expect to see this year, maybe make some plays, some guys that we haven't talked a whole lot about maybe in the last couple of years? Yeah, uh, right off the top of my mind, uh, Devin Perry, he's had a great camp. I was talking to somebody that I played with and I was telling him that like Devin Perry is having a really great camp and it's just, he's come so far even since the spring that he's almost unrecognizable. If you didn't know Devin Perry, 
if you knew Devin Perry before uh, before this fall camp, and he's turned it on. And I think he's been one of the main people who realized that his time is now. He's getting a ton of reps, and he's making the most of it right now. Uh, you got guys like Anthony Ratliff-Williams, who kind of similar to Max game, where he could take the top off of defense. He's probably the fastest receiver, um, just straight line speed. Then you have guys like Jordan Cunningham, Josh Cabrera, who make a ton of great catches in traffic, a lot of competitive catches. That's something that Coach Brewer really stresses on the offensive side of the ball. He wants those 50-50 balls to be 80-20, and that's something that you saw with guys like Quinshot and Bug Howard, where that quarterback has trust in them, where he could just throw it up and those guys could go up and make plays. And then going off even more of the younger guys, you got Roscoe Johnson, who's come on real strong in the slot position. Uh, Bo Corrales, Daz Newsom, those guys are – there's a lot being thrown at them right now. And that's probably the hardest adjustment, that mental adjustment, learning all the plays and knowing what to do so your teammates can count on you. But those guys have done a great job so far because they don't want to come in and they don't want to redshirt. They want to make an impact right from uh, the start. Taylor, what do you think the difference is in the mindset of all the guys you've named and, you know, the guys that have even been there this year compared to last year and maybe the year before when you had Bug and you had Switz and you had Mac and before that you mentioned Quinshot and you knew that those guys were going to be playing yet you still, as a as a player, as a young guy, you did everything you could to get time, but it, it just didn't – it wasn't going to happen when you got those guys on the field. What's what's the different mindset that these guys have taken, and have you seen a difference in their mindset knowing that, hey, if I put forth the effort or if I, you know, get better like Devin Perry and Anthony Ratliff-Williams and these guys, I'm going to get some serious minutes. I mean, the mindset's got to change or has changed, hasn't it? Yeah, you could definitely see it in their mindset. You're just in the meeting rooms. You don't have those guys like Switzer, Bug Howard, Matt Collins leading that room anymore. And guys have to step up, and they're all putting in the work. Sometimes you have to, like, drag those guys off the field and off the ball machine just because they want to get as many reps possible. And uh, it's a lot of them are feeding off each other, that, that competitiveness. They all want to see themselves do great as a whole unit, but they know – they're going to have to take care of their business first. Taylor, you you joined the program, I know, at a, at a time when when Larry Fedora was was starting to have to kind of adjust the offense around the quarterback. I know you know, Bren got hurt, then Marquise came in, and then of course Marquise kind of took over and ran the show in a unique way, really utilizing his legs in 2014. Uh, we know how everything went down with uh, with Quise and Trubisky in terms of that quarterback competition, and then of course last year. It was much more of a uh, kind of a passing geared offense. Uh, I know there's still balance there, but they really utilized Mitch's arm. Uh, so, so what can you tell us about what to expect maybe this year and how they're adjusting the offense uh, with, with these quarterbacks? I know they, they each kind of bring a, a unique skill set. And until we actually see who, who trots out on the field on Saturday, uh, it's going to be kind of dependent upon who that player actually is. But, but how, do you, how do you possibly see things changing with this offense, maybe from last year when they relied on Mitch's arm so much? Yeah, I think I think there's going to be more emphasis on the quarterback running just because of these guys' skill sets. 
Chaz is a great runner. Brandon Harris is a great runner. Nathan Elliott's a great runner. So Coach Vidora and Coach Heck, Coach Cap, they all do a great job at playing to the strengths of their quarterback, like you mentioned. So once September 2nd comes and whoever whoever it is that is starting, I trust that the coaches are going to put everybody in the best possible situations and make the most of the guy that does take the first snap because they all have their individual talents and what they do well. And I think the coaches know that and they'll put them in the best spot. I'll follow up with this, Taylor. I was talking with, with Coach Heck the other day. He made the point that you know, with each of these guys, there are certain things that they each do well, and you want to focus on those things. But from a kind of wider picture, there is the base of the offense, and everybody has to be able to execute that. So kind of to what extent, and this you can, you can use Bryn, Marquise, Mitch, whoever, but how much of, of what this offense is and what these quarterbacks do is base what everybody has to know and how much is it is specifically geared toward their talent set? Can you put a percentage on that? I would say it's more on the side of it's just the general offense than, than based on the player. Because in Coach Fedora's offense, you should be able to plug and play almost at any position. And he's shown that at every every spot that he's been at with the success of his offenses. But but you do have to take into account what each player does well and then try to shift it, try to mold your offense towards that. So I would say it's about 70-30. Okay. So let me ask you this. We've talked about, and you mentioned the three quarterbacks, Harris and Chad Surratt and Nathan Elliott. And I see, you know, I hear they're all great runners. But what is the difference in the three? Clearly, Brandon Harris has got the experience. He played at LSU, no matter what you say, how well he did or how well he didn't do or whatever, he still played at LSU in some big-time football games. So he's got that experience that nobody else has. Chaz Surratt's seen as the guy that's uh, maybe the heir apparent, and he's just got the it factor. And then Nathan Elliott is seen as the guy that's just consistent. Uh, is that fair? Are those descriptions that we hear most often from guys like me and maybe Greg and other media outlets and fans in general? Is that fair when we're talking about these three guys? Yeah, I would say going off Nathan Elliott, Nathan Elliott's probably one of the smartest quarterbacks that I've ever been around. You know, sometimes just watching a practice and I'm like, I just go up to Nathan, ask him like what, what he's reading on a play. And he always knows, even if it's not his rep, I, I know I could go up to Nathan and kind of ask him, hey, what are you guys reading here? Because from a receiver perspective, I kind of want to know basically what the quarterbacks are thinking. Um, but then Chasserat, he's he's a freak athlete when he takes off and he gets moving. And then, like you mentioned, Brandon Harris, he just has the game experience. He has he has that like natural leadership that, that Queese had where – you kind of saw him and you always knew he was going to be the positive one with a smile on his face, always encouraging. If anybody makes a mistake on the offense, he's right there trying to pick people up. And it's, it's a team effort from those guys. Taylor, one of the, the key talking points this preseason has, has been the offensive line and, and guys coming in and out of the lineup. One thing you know, Fedora and, and all the coaches talk about is kind of the next man up concept. It sounds good, but I'm curious as a as a player in this program, 
Is that a philosophy that the players have embraced? And when a teammate goes down, when maybe somebody above you on the depth chart goes down or is out for whatever reason, that these guys can just step in uh, without kind of missing a beat in terms of kind of their approach and everything? Or is it a little bit of a challenge adjusting to whether somebody's here or not here or injured or not injured? You know, it's you've been with these guys all summer, all spring. You trust that they're putting in the work necessary to elevate their performance. So it's, it is one of the things that when somebody goes down, you believe in the guy next to you fully because you trust that he's put in the work necessary to have success for the team. Because at the end of the day, everybody wants UNC to be successful and reach these new heights. And you trust that everybody's just putting in that work. Do we have reason to be concerned about the offensive line? No, I trust Coach Gap. You think the the talent and the the bodies there, regardless of who may be there, who may not be there, is he's got enough depth there finally to absorb those kind of losses? Yeah, I think so. Let me ask you this: you you've seen the scrimmages, you've seen the guys on the offense go against Carolina's defense this year. The script's sort of been flipped this year that the defense maybe will have to carry the offense. Some and I and I know that you know you trust Heck and Fedora and Coach Cap and all those guys to put out a, a quality or not a quality product, but a product similar to what they've always done. But is the feeling inside of camp as much as outside of the camp that the def- this is the year the defense is what Carolina maybe not known for, but certainly um, puts their stamp on this season more than maybe they have in the past. I mean. The defense is loaded with talent, They're loaded with experience. Is this the year that maybe they do take that step forward as as the key part of Carolina's football team this season? Just from an offensive perspective, we don't want the defense to feel like they're carrying any weight. So the defense definitely has elevated our performance. Their secondary is ridiculously strong, led by Donnie Miles and MJ Stewart. And then you have a guy like Miles Dorn, who's plays way beyond his years right now and then further in the secondary Corey Bell who has some of the best footwork if you ask any of the receivers who has the best footwork they'll probably tell you Corey Bell just because of how fast he breaks on balls Um, and then the linebackers you have more depth than last year you got a healthy Aiden Bonilla you got a healthy Dominique Ross you got a healthy Jonathan Smith so guys like Andre aren't expected to play the entire game and just be absolutely exhausted by the time the fourth quarter rolls around and then the the d-line is really good this year they're probably the defensive line probably considers themselves the strength of the defense guys like malik carney who when you look at him you're do you think no way should this guy be able to beat offensive tackles consistently and he's just so fast and so strong that he makes it he makes it a regular thing of him winning on the edge and then you get a healthy taman fox who was on his way to having such a great freshman season before he got hurt. So a lot of the guys on the defense are healthy now. They expect to have a strong season, but the offense isn't looking at it like this defense is so much better than us. They're looking at it from a perspective as this defense is going to help us get better and we're going to we're going to make sure they're not out on the field so long and we're going to put up points for them. So they're not expected to hold teams to a really low number.
Taylor, I want your opinion since you're a veteran wide receiver at the college level. So this is something that, that you're going to know. One of the, the random discussions that we've had on this podcast throughout preseason is about Corey Bell and his height. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you are, so I remember the days of Kendrick Burney and Charlie Brown holding down the cornerback positions, and both of those guys were 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, uh, and I guess Withers, when he came in, really started recruiting the taller guys, and now you've got guys like Patrice Rene and C.J. Cotman and Trey Shaw and you know, Des Lawrence, these big, tall, long cornerbacks. But then you got Corey Bell, who's 5'9". And some people seem to think because he's only 5'9", that he can't be as effective as a quarterback. Curious your your take on that and kind of what your belief is on that aspect. He he makes the most of what he has because he's, he's out there starting. Like I said before, his footwork is unbelievable. Like you're running like a 16-yard comeback, and by the time you're getting ready to break down, it seems like he's already past his break and looking to make a play on the ball. And then he has one of the highest verticals on the team. I think his vertical is something something close to where Bug was jumping, around that like high 38, 39, 40 range. So he's not just this. He's not just some like five seven small kid who's not athletic. His athletic ability is up there with anybody out there on the team, and uh, he makes the most of it every opportunity. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's uh, that's overblown. The, the other guy that I want to ask you about is MJ Stewart. He's an All-American candidate. He's likely to be a top two or three round pick, possibly even higher. Uh, I know you've, you've played a lot against him in practice over the years. What makes him so good at corner? Just his instincts. He's, uh, he used to play wide receiver. So he understands what we're trying to do against him. He's really smart, really fast. Even if you beat him, his speed is enough to catch up to you. And then he, he's he got great ball skills that he got from being a receiver. And he's I know the interceptions didn't show for it last year, but he's a guy who has made plays at the high Division one level. And there's a reason why guys like Todd McShay say he's like one of the top two cornerbacks coming into next year's draft. The interception deal. That was such a random kind of fluky thing last year. <laughs> During practice, I mean, were they getting picks like there were in previous years? It just wasn't happening in, in games? Yeah, it was they – they get picks in practice. Coach Fedora is really making an emphasis this year on takeaways because if you look at the teams that have the top takeaway margin, they're all right up there in the top ten for the national polls. So while the defense has to work on – Creating takeaways, the offense at the same time has been uh, working on protecting the ball. But uh, some of the, some of those guys, I joke around with Andre Smith, just because I think it was the Illinois game. One ball hit him like square in the hands, and I was like, "Yeah, I hate when it hits you right in the hands." <laughs> yeah, they seemed like they had more than a few that were pick six or, or definitely close to it that they just laid back on the ground. This it just yeah, bounces their way sometimes. The receivers will get on them a bit just just for those balls hitting them square in the, in the hands. And even even those guys are going to the ball machine after practice just trying to get as good as they can get. Yeah, the coaches always say there's a reason you play defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy Ashley here, Greg Barnes here, and Taylor Vipolis. Taylor, to sort of wrap the show up, talk to me about how Larry Fedora 
and his staff, uh, even though he's had some turnover, even Gunnar Brewer's been there forever and guys, but how has it changed that you've seen since, you know, Fedora's been here and how has the staff really improved their approach going into a season maybe than they have in the past? Because they've struggled in opening season games. What's different this year? Yeah, I love Coach Fedora. There's a reason why I'm still here at North Carolina because I believe in everything he does and the direction that he's taking this program. He came in and really like uncertain times and he never stopped believing in us and the players the players see that and they appreciate it and he's a guy that we go to war for him every Saturday and the first game it's just like the players know the first game struggles I think we haven't won an opening game against a power five opponent since like 1997 but um all this team has to remember is that they're not the 2016 team, they're not the 2015 team. They're going to get their opportunity, and uh, what they do come September 2nd is going to be remembered with them forever. And these guys like uh, Austin Prohl, MJ Stewart, Bentley Spain, they can go down as one of the one of the most winningest senior classes in Carolina history, and that's something that's right side of history that they want to be a part of. Good stuff there, Taylor. I appreciate you joining the show. I hope we'll get a chance to talk again as the season progresses. But thanks, man. Thanks for taking time out and talking to us. Thank you. Good time. Greg, as always, appreciate you, man. And uh, this has been the Inside Carolina Radio Show. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.